People are my passion, and this podcast is about just that. Life, love, careers, relationships, the ups, the downs, the funny, and sometimes not so funny things that happen along the way. I think that everyone has a story to tell, and I want to hear it. So join me weekly as I sit down with everyday people from all walks of life to find out what makes them tick. You are listening to Bright Minds with Ashmon. All right, welcome back, y'all, to Bright Minds with Ashmon. I am Ashley Bright. I feel like I'm always starting my episodes by saying that this is a first time for me for one reason or another, but um, I have only truthfully done two virtual podcasts so far, and both of them have been with people that are super close to me. Um, but today, I have got a, essentially a perfect stranger on here. So <laughs> I'm a mixed bag of emotions. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear your story. Uh, if I'm being honest, I'm a little nervous only because it's a little harder to establish that rapport when we're doing this on the phone. But regardless, we're going to dive in. So Gary, Greg, hey, boy, hey, thank you for hey. doing this. Sure. I do really appreciate it. We have a um, a mutual friend who got us in touch. Um, thank you, Padrina. I actually don't know. How do you guys know each other? I don't even think I asked her that. Padrina and I went to high school together. Did you really? Yeah. We can spend a whole other podcast on Padrina. <laughs> I'm joking. No, she's wonderful. <laughs> she is wonderful. Do you know, though, I have known her for almost 15 years, and I think we have just become friends in the last, like, three or four years because we really? worked together. So she can, she was really intimidating, and I, like, will give her shit for that still. Excuse my language. <laughs> no, she's wonderful. And, and her sister is wonderful, too. Her older sister, Ramey, I'm close with as well. I love that. That's I really I don't know why I didn't ask her that, but she's been really support. I feel like once you're in her circle, you're in her circle, you know, right? Yes, she's a very loyal person. <laughs> it took me a while to get there. But now that I'm in, <laughs> uh -huh. but she um, she's been really supportive of my podcast journey. And um, she told me one day that she had a friend who was in the South Tower the morning of 9-11. And he would be so great on this podcast. And so here we are. We're doing this now, you know, <laughs> right. Um, okay, but before we dive in, because I really don't know anything about you, Gary, so just can you give me a quick background, like the where you're from, where you went to school, uh, you know, are you married, you have kids, those fun things? Yeah, so I was born in Los Angeles, California, moved to uh, Indiana when I was a kid, went to uh, private school, uh, St. Anthony's, and then went to Providence High School with Padrina, and uh, I went up to Indiana University, got a couple degrees there, and now- A couple I'm, degrees? They used, that's yeah. a very um, humble way of saying that you're smart or something over there. Well, no, I just, <laughs> I barely got by. I, I, I got a PhD in partying, and then I submitted yes. in two other degrees. But uh, no, I actually uh, uh, got a wonderful life. Got, I'm married with uh, three daughters, and um, two of which, of which are at IU in Bloomington. Nice. One's in grad school, and then my youngest, she, all of my kids went to Providence High School, where I went to. How and fun so, is that? Keeping that fun. family tradition going, you know? Yeah, and Do any of you have the same teachers that you did? Like, were they remember well, you? This is when you know you're getting older. The teachers <laughs> are people I went to high school with. So that's when you know you're getting Oh, older. Lord help me. Yes. Yeah. And there were still teachers there teaching my kids that taught me that unfortunately shared stories. Um, <laughs> will tell you that I was probably a little bit more on the fun side, but nothing um, wrong with that, Gary. Yeah. And so, uh, went to Indiana, my kids, so my youngest is at Providence now. She'll be at IU. So I'll have three at IU in the fall. of this. How fun fall. is that? It's going to be a blast. So is this something that's like, just like 
ingrained in them from the day they were born. Like, I, like okay, so we're my whole family's like big from my husband's side. NC State fans. They all like there's you know four generations of kids going there. My children just think that that's the only school that basically exists. That's what they want to do. Is that is that what was going on with your family? Well, kind of. I mean, uh, the business school there is ranked in the top ten in the United States. There, Kelly's business school is fantastic, and their NBA program is in the top five. Okay, so we're talking um, academics, not athletics, because I think my right. kids just love the Wolf Pack and just. <laughs> oh, my kids love IU Hoosiers. It's just you know, it's, they, I keep trying to remind them that. But when Padrina and I went to high school, IU actually had a really good basketball program, and now it's you know not so much. But um, so yeah, they they love IU Hoosier sports, but. Uh, my kids are more math elites. You know, they're uh, really smart. Um, That's so amazing. Really into, I mean, they love sports. They all play travel volleyball, but they're really intelligent. So two of them are going to go to, as in business school, one wants to be a vet. So she'll have to transfer away from Bloomington and possibly go to Purdue. But that's amazing. Well, <laughs> well you know, I've heard that veterinarian school is more difficult to get into than med school. Like that's it's amazing. Congratulations. extremely difficult. And in, in the yeah. summer times, if you're not volunteering at some humane society, then just hang it up. I mean, I heard it's impossible to get into. You well, have to, I feel excited that I feel confident it'll work out for her. I can't wait to hear. I hope you know? if not, you know, I've got a practice that two of my kids are going to join my practice. So, that's going to be fun. So I'll be paying my kids basically to be with me every day, but it'll be well worth it. <laughs> you got to do something to keep them in our lives. You know, exactly. There's no shame in that game. <laughs> no, I'm willing to pay just to have them around. Oh, Gary, I do always like hearing different, you know, mine are only nine and seven. So it's so wild to think about, you know, where they'll go, what they'll do, just them being in careers. Like I, you know, I clearly can't wrap my head around that yet. Crazy, it goes crazy. fast, so just enjoy every day. Because I, I used to, at that age, I used to take my daddy dates, and uh, and now it's the the daddy dates are much more fun now. I go to frat parties with them, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's still the fun dad. Love it's it. still fun, but it's uh, <laughs> but it's much more fun when it because back then they think you're Superman, so uh, they oh. realize I'm not Superman. So it's it's it, it goes is by so fast. true. They really think I'm very cool when they want to be with me now. So I'm trying to enjoy that while it lasts. You it know? Is, yeah, and you never get the memo when when it goes <laughs> when from not superhero cool. to moron. It just there's no memo for that. It's just, uh, it just happens. You know, I have never thought about that. Yeah. Can somebody give me a heads up when that's going to change before that one day? Yeah. It, it hurts your feelings every time. Each, each, you think the second will be easier when it comes, but it's each one when it, when they turn off that switch of, I realize dad's not Superman. It's just, it's still Dang. hard to digest. <laughs> well, this is why I have older friends. So I can get this moral support, you know, I need <laughs> exactly. people with different perspectives to kind of, kind of prepare me for these things. That's right. Goodness. Okay. So did you go to school for, I mean, I know you end up working at Morgan Stanley. So is that what you went to school to do? Is that something you always knew you wanted to Yeah. To I, mean, I love stocks. I've always loved investing and planning. And I got a degree in finance and another degree in economics. And um, I actually came out and was, went into, straight into banking um, because I felt like it would be hard to call any of my fathers, any of my buddy's fathers who saw me with my mullet uh, party and my <laughs> knew you here. from, yes. Yeah. They're like, wait a minute, you want to, you want me to manage, I want to manage all your lifelong assets. And sure. I don't think that was going to be a good segue from that, to, from college to that. So <laughs> went into banking first, but, and then went to Morgan State. I've been at Morgan Stanley 22 years. So that's really impressive. You don't see that much anymore, you know? You I don't. Actually, People um, around a lot. I've had the same job for 15 years and I'm only, how old am I? Oh my gosh, I do this every time. I forget how old I am. I'm only 38 and I've been the same job for 15 years. You know, it's just, yeah, you good. don't see it a ton. I really yeah. enjoyed it, I guess, right? Pros and cons. I mean, sometimes yeah. I always wonder if I should try something different, but if I like what I'm doing and I'm successful at it, I'm just going to keep on, keep it on, you know? You know, there's no <laughs> saying that if you love what you do, you never work. And and I, that's true because I love what I do. I love my clients. So it's, it's just a fun job. Every day is different. Yes. Uh, I, I, 
can't imagine. I feel like economy changes, clients change, every, every day has got to exactly. be different, you know? That's right. Okay. So can you, um, all right, I think we're just, you know, we're going to go do this thing if that's okay with you, but sure. and I'm sure it's pretty tricky, difficult to talk about, but I just, can we talk about the morning of like what led you, what events led you up to being in the world trade center that morning? Sure. So I was at a firm called JC Bradford. That was the first brokerage investment firm I worked for, uh, when I left banking and then we were bought out. This is back during the, the time where other firms are purchasing other firms and sure. smaller firms being gobbled up. So JC Bradford was a small firm out of Nashville. And then we were purchased by Payne Weber, which in turn was purchased by UBS. And so the, all those changes happened so fast within a yeah. six month period that some of my guys that I knew that were older, I mean, more tenured, they went to Morgan Stanley. So they called me and said, hey, you should come over here. So, and I was young in my career. I thought, well, sure. So I went to Morgan Stanley, been there ever since, but that's, what brought me to New York City. So you <coughs> were Morgan me. Stanley, okay, at that time. So sure. So I went to, I, I joined Morgan Stanley in August of 2001, and they came to me and said, hey, since you're new, do you want to go to New York City and spend a couple of weeks getting to know our systems, our technology, you know, all this stuff? And I thought, when else can I get a free trip to New York City for a couple of weeks? So <laughs> sure. I jumped at the chance. I'm like, yeah, I definitely went to New York City, plus Wall Street and all that. So it was going to be Morgan Stanley. It's Wall Street. It's yeah. It's, all the yeah. Things. yeah. So and I don't have to pay for it. I love free stuff. So sure. So uh, that's, that's what brought me to New York. So I was up, we flew up, let's see, on the 9th and which was really cool because the San Gennaro Festival was going on up there, which what is in was September. It? The San Gennaro Festival. Oh, it's I didn't know that. It's a big festival and um, U.S. Open. A lot of things were going on at that time. So um, I had all Sunday to partake in the New York City. And, um, and then I don't Monday, mean to interrupt you at all, but were you married at this point in time? I was curious. No, I was not married. Okay, so you're going up as a single well, guy no, no, in no, New no, York no, City. Let me back up. I am married. I am married. Sure, I meant at that yes. time. Yeah, at, at, during not, during two thousand one, yes. Okay, gotcha. In fact, I yeah, I was just recently married two thousand. So Ooh, okay, I've been married a little, little north of a year, and so um, get to New York City and uh, got up there on Sunday. So Monday, well, then we had to figure out how to get to uh, our office. So we had to get like um, oh, I forgot what they're called. There's a a pass, a subway like pass, the metro, the yeah. metro pass, yeah. Gotcha. And so you had to get passed for that, and then you had to figure out like it's actually very intimidating going to New York City and figure I out mean, the I'm metro by yourself. No, thank you. Yeah, you're taking a taxi everywhere. <laughs> well, it, they had a bus come that morning on Monday morning, but they wanted us to get ready to get our metro passes and everything else. Yeah, and so that which is fine because you know. I, I travel, I've been all over the world. I've been, you know, Middle East, Latin America, Europe, oh, wow. Asia. But uh, I like going places and just kind of figuring things out. Yeah, and, I get that. And so it was cool. I was like, okay, we'll just figure this stuff out. But uh, um, so, you know, Monday we went down to the trade centers, worked all day on the 61st floor. And wow. uh, they told us that tomorrow morning, which would be the 11th, we got to get our photo IDs made. And so... A lot of people aren't aware of this, but during the 93 bombing, when they blew up the basement, um, they, in they instituted a, a policy where you have to have a photo ID. It looks like a credit card. You swipe it through this machine, and then the arms open up, yeah. <laughs> and then you can get on the elevators. You know, I can picture this from, like, movies and things, but I didn't know that that was a requirement post-93. Gotcha. Yeah. post nine, And so, you know, we had to get these IDs made, which were going to be made oh, the morning of 9-11. And so Monday was just kind of like getting everything prepared for the two weeks and it was fun. You know, I got to meet a lot of colleagues and then some of them invited me out. So 
do what a lot of Americans do in the fall. We went out to Monday night football, hit a bar. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, which was fun. It was sure. a great time. You know, and when you're out of town, you have a tendency to, you know, tie one on. So, uh, Hey, you're, you're, you're networking, you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, mean, I was networking with bourbon. And so, um, great time as colleagues having some drinks. And then, so Monday we get back after the game, have to get up real early Tuesday morning. And cause we had to be down at the world trade center to get those IDs made. So I had my photo ID made that morning on nine 11, like, we're early, I don't know, 7.30 in the morning. That's and, very early New York City time, by the way. I feel oh like nobody, nobody starts moving that early. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I did. I did after Monday Night Football. I know I didn't want to get up that early. But, <laughs> but yeah, so a little foggy. But yeah, so we got there Tuesday morning, got to the 61st floor, and it was literally a beautiful day. Not a cloud, not a single cloud in the sky. Yeah. It was just a just a beautiful, sunny, cloudless day. And uh, yeah, so we went up around the 61st floor. We had to listen to an economist talk about the economy and i don't know if you've ever sit into an economics class but that is not what you want to listen to at eight o'clock in the morning the tuesday after a uh, fun night out i got yeah. you yeah cool <laughs> so fought through that and then we had a coffee break and then i went to down the hall to get some coffee and i was with two guys from louisville um that are that was you know joined at the same time that actually came over from jc bradford with me so they were there as well which was comforting and I was getting coffee and I was looking out the window because the windows are, you know, basically from ceiling to floor. Right. And I looked back at them and um, I heard this huge explosion and I looked back at them away from the window. And again, it was sunny out and their eyes got really big. And then subsequently the, my window became dark and I looked back and that's when the North tower was hit. So it blew up. Oh my and God, Gary. The explosions kind of blocked out, blocked out the, out the sun. And so, you know, their eyes are big and I'm like, oh my gosh, so everyone's runs over the window to look down and you can see, you know, awnings on fire. Um, you know, actually debris from the North Tower was, you know, pieces of metal was on other building mm -hmm. tops on fire. And you can see people scampering uh, to get out of the way from falling debris. And even at that time, surprisingly, we weren't, we were nervous, but but I'm again, sure just more so thinking whatever happened to them just now. Right. Yeah, not, yeah. No, I mean, I'm in a safe, secure building. Yeah. I can't really see what happened because it hit so high up in the North Tower, even though we're beside it. Um, as you know, being in a tall tower next to another tall tower, you only can see so many floors up sure. because they're so close. So, What was the sound like, Gary? Was it, I mean, some to me, would it be a sound like you've never heard before? Um, it was a very muffled explosion, just a loud okay. rumbling boom and it just it, it's hard to describe but it was very loud even though we're inside of a secure building yeah and and it, it you know the debris blocking out the sun was scary but then again it cleared up and because as you know the smoke rises so we see things going on so we were like okay kind of concerned what's going on well you know my firm is very very you know dry it's a very professional organization um you know not a lot of cutting up you know in a corporate setting so to have a guy running down the hallway screaming let's get the f out of here that's not typical language you would hear sure. in a corporate setting so that that kind of got you a little nervous going okay you know what's he seeing or no that we don't know i'm not even from new york so I, that is not lost on me you like i would feel like i'd be taking cues from a new yorker or something at this point like what's right what's, you know like this I, I, is you know, when you're screaming, let's get the fuck out, that, that was enough for me to go, well, you know, he knows something more than we do. 
And that subsequently the, the sirens start going off. So we went back into that big auditorium where the economist was giving that presentation, just trying to, cause I had my briefcase, all my stuff, my, yeah. I had my, my, uh, my suit jacket hanging on the back of my chair. And it was about two other buddies and we get back to that room and, and they're on the phone talking to the head desk downstairs and everyone's trying to stay calm, but that you hear this constant rear, the, the sirens and, and they, they all blink too, by the way. So they're blinking and they're. So these the are sirens, sirens inside the building. I thought yeah. not like the EMS, the squad, you know, everybody from out. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. No, these are the internal ones in the hallways and, and they're in the ceilings too. And so you're sitting there going, okay, this is, this is kind of a, a bit much. And so the, the people that's at the bottom of the return said, Hey, we, we decided we, we should get to the, the staircases and walk down until we figure out what's going on. And then people are like, you know, I'm taking the elevator and people are like, no, don't take the elevator. And then we're like, well, let's just go to the stairs. Well, everyone in, in our floor is heading to these staircases. And so it's packed. And so we begin our way down from the 61st floor and then the sirens turned off. So we're like, well, that's weird. So, you know, we came out, which was just by happenstance on the 44th floor. And on the 44th floor, there was a guy named Rick Briscola with a bullhorn shouting out directions. Oh my gosh. And the Port Authority said we were safe to stay into the building, but he was saying, don't stay in the building. And, you know, then we're standing there and people start getting in line for the elevators. Because, Dude, who, was again, the, who was Rick? Like, did he work there? Was he a... He was the head of our chief, uh, he was our chief uh, security officer. Okay. And they actually made a movie about him on History Channel every 9-11. It's, on the, it's called The Man Who Predicted 9-11. He's a Vietnam vet. Oh, my gosh. And he actually went down in the building because he went floor to floor. He's a true hero. Oh, Jesus. But... Uh, I have chills you know, already, man. Yes. You know, when, when you're, when you're, the 44th floor is a crossover lobby. So it's, it's just a lobby full of elevators to go to different parts of the building. Okay. And, and so you're jammed in there because other floors were just coming out because the sirens are off. You're trying to gather, you know, why is the sirens off? Are we safe? So since the sirens are off, I'm thinking we're okay. Um, he said to keep on going. Some people were done. They're like, nope, you know, nothing's happened to us. And then we did hear, they were like, it, it might have been a plane. And I've, I've heard, seen in history books where Cessnas and things ran into the Empire State Building. So we're rationalizing away the guys I'm around. Like, I'm sure it was a Cessna, maybe a heart attack for the pilot, not knowing it's a fully loaded jet. Sure. And so as we're contemplating what to do, and as people were actually trying to get on these elevators to go down, because, again, nothing's happened to us, and there's no one stopping them to get on elevators, yeah. um, is when we got hit. And so, you know, when we got hit, it just just – it's hard to explain, but um, like when we've done interviews in the past with the two gentlemen I, I were with, the one felt like the building was going to collapse upon itself. Yeah, I had a different version. I felt it was going to topple to the right because, however, we were standing, the plane must have hit us from the left because you just got tossed to the right. So you're just being thrown. Like your in. body fully, like yeah. You're, I mean, the building absorbed the plane, but if, when you're in the building. It just literally, the, the, it violently to the, to the right. And all the people that were on those elevators, luckily uh, we weren't the next ones up, but you know, the elevator tubes all became fire traps. And it just shot, you know, the explosions just went firing down these elevator shafts. And the door crack, the, the elevator shafts had fire blown out. And so, oh my gosh. you know, the people that just got on the elevators, are no longer with us. And, and now you're knowing that there's fire blowing out of these elevator shafts. 
to try not to get burned. This extreme heat, it went from explosion to uh, debris everywhere to extreme heat. And I wear contacts, so I'm thinking, shit, I got to make sure I don't get debris in my So I, I grabbed Jeff, who's with me. He's a very large guy. He's like a fullback. So I grabbed yeah. the back of his shirt to just follow him wherever he's going to go, trying to get back to the staircases. But it's interesting when you're really scared, um, even though you left, even though you locked out of the, the staircase, yeah, you're so discombobulated. You don't even know no clue which way is which. Yeah, you're just yeah. all turned around because you were thrown from the, the explosions. And then subsequently, too, we left my 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 uh, my suit jacket. And I left my briefcase everything up there back in the uh, upstairs on the 61st floor because I just thought it was going to be like one of those fire drills. They of go down course. and you go back up. The la- yeah, I can totally get that. You know, so we we just thought, well, we'll be back, not knowing that there was something, a plane heading for us. But once it hit us, you know, we got back to the staircases. And unlike 1993, where they told us that in the 93 bombing, the staircases were completely dark. Um, if it was the case, I wouldn't be here today because um, the 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 staircases stayed, they stayed lit, thank God. And um, wow. you could see how to get out. But everyone above us and our floor, everyone's into the staircases. Yeah. It was an orderly descent before we got hit. But once we were hit, people really wanted out of the building and rightfully so and so and again we thought it was bombs we we thought maybe it was bombs yeah. in the building um not planes um because we had no idea what to, what blew up above us but we just wanted out and my my daughter at the time was three months old my, my first one and so i'm like God. yeah you're motivated beyond i can't imagine yeah like i gotta get out of here big time so yeah it was tough so we get to the staircase and begin our descent but you know, um, as you're going down, women, um, and I don't blame them because I've never worn high, high-heeled shoes, but they kicked those off, I guess, to become a lot yeah. quicker. Um, people left their briefcases behind. They're like, this. everyone wanted to kind of unload and become nimble Quick and, and faster. Yeah, yeah. And so as you're going down the steps, you are trying to avoid hitting people. You try not to twist an ankle on shoes or briefcases. Um and as you're going down, you hear someone going, move to the left, I'm coming to the right. And, you know, people are being nice, but they're just like, hey, you know. I'm quicker than you, I'm getting out of here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, just move to the left because oh, I'm gosh, coming. yeah. And, you know, so you're, and then, you know, you're, it's disheartening because, um, and I, I, you know, at the time I was doing a lot of mini marathons. So I'm in very good shape, but I was so winded because I was so scared. I was like trying to catch my breath. I can't so imagine. I if I'm out of shape. Well, as you as you go down these staircases, you go down, you go down, and then over, and then down for one for one level, right? So, yeah. The, on the turn parts, there were a lot of people that were just fatigued and out of breath, and you know some of them are overweight and they're just they're just tired, and so you yeah. pat them on the shoulder as you go back, going, "Hey, you know, keep going, just keep digging deep," because I'm thinking, "Damn, I'm out of breath." I can't imagine what this. Yeah, oh. if you're older, out of shape, have your oh. yeah, all the things working against you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking I could run a, a mini right now, but I can't even catch my own breath. It's just a weird. And so, as you're running by these people, you're trying to give them words of encouragement. And then we got to about the tenth floor, and you're thinking, "Gosh, are we ever gonna get out of this place?" Because on each door there's a number. Yeah. And I remember thinking we're probably near the bottom, and then you see the number ten. You're like, "Damn, we're still ten stories up." And and so we came across this little Chinese girl, uh, Oriental girl, and she was pregnant and. So Jeff, he wanted to stand behind her 
and Rob, another brother of mine, was in front of her. He's like, "Hey, let's just take, let's just make sure no one blows through her, and we'll just just take her because we want to yeah. catch our breath anyway. We weren't trying to be super sober, so we just want to catch her breath. Let's make sure she doesn't get run over. And so we're like, we'll just, you know, get down, but let's do it orderly. And she was like, No, no, you all go ahead. I'm like, No, no, we we're, we'll just stick it out here. And so we all kind of overshot the first floor and we actually went all the way down to the stairs where there was no more stairs. We literally went all the way to where there's just a cement floor. Um, we forgot to get off on floor one. Is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and as we're going down probably five floors and below is when we started seeing the firemen and firewomen coming up with their gear and, you know, heading up to They're coming up as you guys are going down. Yeah. And that made you feel a lot better too. You're like, Oh good. You know, if they're Something here, hurts. yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're safe. We're with fire people. We're in great shape. And so we haven't really seen much. We knew there was an explosion. We, we knew that people probably perished on the elevators. We haven't seen anything that was going to be, you know, to really kind of bring home what's going on. And, and so when we came out in the lobby down the basement, rather, um, we came out into this lobby area and, and the music at base, the basement of the world trade center is a mall. And so that a, a big mall on the bottom. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, and when we come out, you know, the mall's there, right. And, and, uh, but the gates are up and the mall music's still playing. And I remember going past the stores and seeing like these perfectly folded clothes, mall music, but no one there, you know, the firemen were like, go down the middle, go up the escalators, get out. And so all of us were like, Oh, okay. And the mall music's playing. There's no humans. Is this something wild? Just, it's just freaky. Cause it's, it's it, it, this part of this fact is blowing my mind. Yes. You know, cause it's like, you know, yeah. like maybe I'll grab me a sweater. I mean, it's just, there's no one there. It's just yeah. all the, but the smoke's coming down there too. And starting to get a hazy with smoke, even in the basement, which is weird because explosion happens so far up. Right. Well, right. You know, so as we get to the escalators, the escalators are shut off. So we have to walk up the escalators, no big deal. Um, but once we got up to the lobby, that's when it became, you know, more real of what's truly going on because um, people don't realize this, but when the, the plane exploded, it, it rained down a lot of uh, jet fuel. And so there's a lot of people that they brought in off the streets that weren't in the building that got burned from debris and jet fuel. Oh my gosh. And so you're waiting in this long line to go out the doors that used to be doors, but they're blown out. There's no glass on the door. So the elevator shafts apparently went all the way down the elevator shafts and just blew out those doors. The, there's no glass in any of the uh, turn, the, the turnstiles. And so the firemen, all of us run this, I don't know, about three to four, five wide, very long line waiting to leave the building. And while you're waiting, you're seeing these burn victims and they're screaming in pain. The paramedics are trying to tend to them. But, you know, you can smell um, oh the burns. And, and it's just horrific. And I'm trying not to look because I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to look because it's, you know, I'm just glad I'm not in that position. Yeah. Are you with Jeff and Rob still at this point? Yeah, we never left each other, even though okay. I was busting Jeff's ass because he's older <laughs> than me. And he's such a fullback. He's so slow. <laughs> I go, Jeff, come on. Because we didn't want, we went in together. We we're going to come out together. together. Yeah. yeah. And so we're sitting there and we're like, what's the hold up? Why don't they just let us run? Why are we all, you know, I, I can't imagine. I would get me out of here. Yes. Right. I mean, I see the door. I just, I want to run, you know, and, but they're having like firemen on each side. And what, what they were doing was, is there was so much debris coming from the North and South tower 
out of the buildings that they wanted to not just have everybody run at one time and then we'd have more victims to bring back into the building so they would just kind of get you get you focused and tell you what to do so they were barking out orders so when we got to the the our turn the firemen to the left and right looked at me jeff rob and the other people in our little line there and they're like hey look at us and we look at them like when we tell you to go you fucking go do you are you clear and we're like clear wow. he said there's and, and as we're looking as he's saying this you're looking out and it looked like a car bomb went off like you know you're you're thinking maybe they put a bomb here in the street because the windows are blown out there's literally debris it's unrecognizable the marriott hotel awnings are on fire there's shit on fire there's debris everywhere oh and you're thinking gosh I mean, what blew up down here and you're seeing burn victims and you're, it's just hard. Yeah, it doesn't all connect. Like it doesn't no, make sense. Yeah. Nothing. It's just horrific. And so he looked at us, he goes, well, I'll tell you to go, go. And, and it's interesting because we're, we're at that point to go, but across the street, which was like two wide streets to the other side, there's all these just thousands of people waiting, like waiting for you to come. And you're like, God, I want to be where they are. Y yeah. Get me. <laughs> just, I, just, I got a haul. Yeah. So when they said go, we did. Well, you can't just run a straight line because there's so much shit everywhere and there's some shit still on fire. And, and like, I've kept my shoes and all my clothes, thank God from that day. And my shoes, you could tell like some got singed because you're wow. just running through a, just a debris field. And by the way, shit's still coming out of the building. And so we, we shot across the street and this firewoman, she's like, come on, come on. So she gets me into the crowd and I heard her, uh, and we looked at him, we're like, what, what the hell is going on? And she's like, two planes hit the buildings. And you can see, you know, the mark, you can see it, the damn outline of yeah. where that hit the building. And it just, I couldn't register. I was like, you know, yeah, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. sense. Yeah. No. And so I was telling Jeff and Ron, I'm like, well, I said, we probably should make our way back to the hotel until we get further instructions. So I'm sure we'll be back down here tomorrow. I mean, we actually thought that the, the firemen, the sprinkler systems, um, whatever's going on, um, what we put out, we'll probably be back somewhere tomorrow and figure all of this out, you know, not, not knowing that they were loaded. There's no way to think of the severity of what was going on while you're in no. it. Yeah. No, we didn't know they were, well, first of all, we didn't know they were jet jets. We knew there were planes. We were thinking still Cessnas or a sure. you know, like private jet, not a terrorist attack. And yeah. yeah, no terrorist. I didn't think that, didn't think it was loaded with Americans saying goodbye to their families that we all subsequently heard. We had no idea. We just thought this is just insane. Well, you know, so we got, we, we started walking about a block away from it to take another look at everything. And then you can see the holes, how big they were. And then we start hearing other people say that these were big, big size jets. And then we're like, Oh shit, this we're under some form of attack. And you know, all New Yorkers are on the street. I mean, no one was in tall buildings. Not right, so where did place. you go? So you, you run away from the debris and then, then where are you going? Like where are well, you hearing this chatter? Well, there's, there's no subways. Uh, servicing there's no there's no transportation they're shutting okay. the ferries down there's only one-way ferries so like for instance we had colleagues again from other parts of the states there that um got on a ferry and went to jersey but it was one way and yeah. so they got to jersey and they're like oh how do i get back to my hotel well you, you can't and so we we just followed the crowd and then people started jumping out of the buildings where every time <laughs> someone would yeah. jump people would scream and that part is giving me, yeah. Ugh. I'm sorry, Gary. I, yeah, I have a lump in my throat. Holy moly. I'm so sorry. 
know your client just i don't talk about you know i don't i'm sure i'm sure you know i don't know but i never turned it down if someone asked because i always felt like hey i'm lucky enough to be able to talk about it. so even though it's painful to talk about it's so powerful at the same time i just you know of course it's one of those things I mean, I was, yeah, I was only 16 years old, but I remember what I wore that day. I remember where, you know, it's just never, I don't know. I cannot imagine like what, yeah. you, what you go through. But that's why I don't mind yeah. talking about because, yeah. you know, um, it's like my two guys I was with, you know, we felt like we're blessed to be able to talk about it and remind, remind people that terrorism is real and things of that nature. But yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, sorry about that, but no, you're you good. Know, so, um, you know, there were people holding hands, jumping, and things of that nature. And every time they did, the crowd would scream. And you know, I, you know, I did see some, but I didn't. I didn't want to watch a lot because it was so hard to watch, knowing that you were in that very building. And you're thinking, no, it had to be very extreme to to want to jump. I'm petrified of heights, so that just freaked How me bad out. It was. Yeah, yeah. And so then, you know more jumpers happen and then you would hear screaming and but this time you would hear this loud rumbling noise now this time we're five blocks away and you're looking up at the building and before your eyes you just you're not believing what you're saying but my my tower was a second to hit but the first to fall yeah and it literally collapsed within 20 minutes of us exiting the building and 20 minutes why, gary like that is oh it's tight Holy <laughs> so we uh Cut it close. That's why I was so thankful that the lights turned on, uh, stayed on, and down the staircases. And um, and as it's collapsing upon itself, as we've all seen in the videos, um, when you're in New York, and I know you've been there, you know all those buildings. Even if you're a block or two away, they just feel like they could fall over on you. They're so tall and ginormous. And as it's, it's part of the charm, though, too, you know, right? Which makes it New York City. Oh, it is. Like I, just, I love it. The first time you come out of the subway and see all that, it's just mesmerizing. Oh, it is. And, and it's a wonderful city. It's funny because people always say New Yorkers are cold. They're not cold. They're just busy. You know, they just know yeah. where they're going. So people like you and I walk around with our you know, head in the sky, looking at the skyscrapers. They're just like, <laughs> look, <laughs> we're just trying to get around you to get to our job. So I, they're not rude. They're just busy people. Yeah. And, and everyone I've met were, were wonderful. But um, so it started collapsing. And, and now all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, I thought I was safe. Now I'm not because the implosion is coming towards us. And so oh, you, you turn to run and you can only run as fast as the people around you. So, um, Gary, are we, the streets like, I mean, I've seen video footage of this, but are you just neck to neck, shoulder yeah, to shoulder? shoulder, with, shoulder yeah. Okay. The closer you are to ground zero, the, the tighter the uh, crowds are. And then the further away, the, the sidewalks are still busy, but not the streets. But down towards ground zero, the streets and everything was clogged. It's not just, you know, they're still bringing in emergency crews, but it's just packed. And when we got, when when it started to um, implode, you know, you could see the, the debris and, the, and that big cloud of smoke coming your way. So you're turning and you're running and you can only run as fast as the people around you. You see little seams and you'll cut in between those seams like, okay, I'll, I'll get here. But then you're trying to stay also with your two buddies and you're trying to get to where you have no idea. But all of a sudden this New Yorker opens the door and goes, get your asses in here, get in here. And so we go in and he closes the door and I kid you not, it was like a vertical wall of debris that was so thick it blocked out the sun. 
from the South Tower collapsing, and it just Jeez. went right past and blocked out the this uh, the front doors of this this uh, lobby. So had this guy out. not pulled you in there, it's you know. Oh, we would have been covered. I mean, just covered with it, and and so we're in there, and it's funny because you'd think people would be like screaming and yelling and what the hell's going on, and instead, uh, I was talking to my two friends like in a very quiet voice, like, "Oh my gosh, what's going?" On? No, no one was. I think everybody was in such shock and so scared. They just, you're just like, what, what's next? And we're sitting there talking about what to do. And my yeah. friend, Jeff, the older of the two of us, he's like, I just want to get out. I want to get out of buildings. I want to be nimble. And so after the, 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 the initial, I think I'd be on board for that plan. Like, let's oh, me go. too. I was <laughs> like, let's Jeff. just get to up, yeah. cause our hotel, I was staying at the Saray, which is upper Manhattan, which I think was like 76 blocks away. And we knew there was no transportation, but, we're like, the hell with it. You know, let's just walk to our hotel. Let's, let's stay nimble. And so still, uh, the when we left, the building was still very thick with smoke from the implosion, but not near as bad as that initial blast of that vertical wall of debris. Yeah. And so went out and, you know, it's just white uh mist of just debris everywhere and papers and just and people that didn't get in buildings they looked horrific because they were just covered and soot and so we started making our way up best way way we could up towards our hotel and so we just started walking and we didn't realize at the time but since we we're there and walking up these blocks we started accumulating lots of dust and debris on our own stuff because we're in the thick of it um you know so i started looking down at my 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 clothes and my shoes we're now covered you know with all this white smoke yeah. and stuff and so the further we got away from ground zero the more you could tell we were in ground zero because we're the ones still covered with uh white powdery stuff all over us and, it, and that's why i i always tell people new yorkers aren't rude i mean there was a guy that had muscles i didn't even know existed he had like <laughs> it just looked like a black hulk I mean, he was just massive. He had a wife beater t-shirt on. Yeah. Really cool looking dude, though. Dreads. I mean, just, but you could tell the guy just focused on working out a lot. And yeah. we're walking. His eyes got huge. And he walks forcefully towards me. I'm thinking, shit, I'm getting my ass kicked right after. Not, this is this can't be the worst day. <laughs> and so luckily, all he did was come up and give me the biggest bear hug. And I was like, oh, wow. gosh. Yeah. That chokes me up in itself. Holy moly. I mean, people knew they're looking at you and they know where you came from. And they probably yeah. had an idea of what was happening than you had an idea of what was yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, because we still had no idea, but they brought TVs, um, certain, certain businesses brought TVs out onto the uh, verandas. So we walked over to this TV just to get a, a bearings of what in the hell, you know, the North Tower then collapses and we're watching. We're far enough away from that by that time that we would got, we got no debris from that. But we're watching on TV, and that's when we heard that DC, the Pentagon, got hit, and that's oh what really shook us because we're like, okay, we know New York's under attack, but they just hit the Pentagon, the head of our military, and there's other planes missing, and we're like, oh shit, there's a lot more. To and by the way, we're going to Upper Manhattan. Well, that's some little building called the Empire State Building. So we're thinking, gosh, oh, no. this is far from over. And so, but we still press on. We're like, we're getting to our hotel, and. So we're pressing on, and this is this shows you how long ago it's been. There was these long lines, and we're thinking, what these long? What are these long lines for? They were for payphones for who? You know, oh, so, <laughs> the North yeah. Tower had that huge tower 
which had a, one of the big cell towers on it. And so when it collapsed, people could not get out. It was very challenging. On my cell phone, we could not get a dial tone to, to get out. I can't so call people, my wife. I can't tell right, her I'm okay. Nothing. No one. Ooh. And so, you know, it's like I tried, they were trying. And so people would line up for these, these pay phones because they were landlines, right? So it was funny because it was like these long lines just for a pay phone. And, and there was not that many of them in the first place, but they were still around at that time. And there were long lines for that. We just we kept pushing forward and finally we got to the hotel. Now, this will blow your mind. You know, bellhops have seen everything. You know, they've seen movie stars, rock stars. Sure. You know. <laughs> so here comes the three amigos in the door covered in soot. And they hug us. And we're like, holy oh. moly. Wow. 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 It's one of those things where you know, we walk in and they're hugging us. And so we we were like, well, we have nothing to do. I said, well, let's do what three Catholic boys normally do. We just went to the bar and bellied up. They had it on TV. We were covered still. I said, you know, we didn't have the wits about to run upstairs yet and change. And sure. Um, Cause we just want to be around people when you're scared. You just want to uh, going up uh, to a hotel room, however many floors up alone yeah, sounds like no. a terrible idea. Yeah. Yes. Not a great idea high up. And you just wanted to be around people and in a crowd and we're just watching in this, you know, <clears throat> one of these watching only going on TV and this guy next to me, a tiny guy, he's like, Hey, you do all right. So yeah. And uh, I told the bartender, so well, I'll take a baker's mark. And he said, all right, I'll get it for you. And bartender super nice. He's like, you, you okay? I said, yeah. So I'm just blessed to be here because they all kind of knew where we came from. And um, I'm um, sure they had no doubts. Oh yeah. And so it was so funny because, you know, the, uh, the guy next to me doesn't know me from Adam's like, whoever needs, you know, it's all me. <laughs> Got you, man. Yeah. Was it like the people's nice kindness? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we stayed there and, and watched everything. Then uh, we were trying to figure out like how we're going to get home. Um, Morgan Stanley came in. They did a, you know, here they are. That's our headquarters. By the way, we were the largest tenant of the World Trade Center is Morgan Stanley. Yeah. And I can tell you what, um, you know, probably well, I've been there 22 years, but they, even though they're probably worried about their own friends and colleagues, they had to wherewithal to send people down, some people down to the hotel to get a headcount of who made it back from this. Cause everyone was there that just joined the firm from all of the United States. So they got a head count. They said, Hey, um, you know, we'll round some rooms while we'll psychiatrists come in counselors, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, God, they're just on it. And then yeah. I asked them, I said, Hey, I said, do you know where your friends are? And they were like, Nope, Nope, not yet. And I'm like, shit, they're down here worrying about us. And they don't know where their own friends are yet. And it was just, yeah. it's just a, how everyone came together was amazing. But, Gary, do you remember, I'm so sorry. Do you remember when you got to call your wife? I didn't mean to, you keep going. Not till 2.30 in the afternoon. Okay. Shoo. On a payphone, no less. Okay. And, um, happened yeah. quarter. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> it took to 2.30 and she was on her way to Nantucket because we were supposed to be in a wedding, go to a wedding, for a family moly. wedding. So she's on the car with my, my three month old and... She had no idea that was going on until my mom tracked her down. Do you know that's probably a blessing? Like, I mean, I can't. Her having to, if she, watching the news that morning and not being able to talk to you until 2.30, like, it almost made me better. She didn't know. Right. She did. The good news is she did not know. So, yeah. And my mom, she kind of gets a little elevated. Um, 
you know, that's just the way her makeup is. She her baby really boy, I can't, I mean, <laughs> would have been. Oh. So she called Nikki and was like, there's a plane that hit the World Trade Center. And Nikki is the eternal optimist. My wife, she's like, Sharon, calm down. There's two of them. And the chance of him being on that floor. And again, she's not knowing it's jets and two of them hit sure. and all this stuff. So she's with her uncle and she's like, hey, we should probably follow the highway and see what's going on. And that's when she said all the magnitude of it. She's like, oh, shit. And so she had to rent a car to head back to Louisville because oh the uncle, goodness. he had to press forward because it's a family wedding. And uh, so she she's heading home and I'm stuck in New York because there's no chance. There's no, as you know, they shut down uh, flights. There's no flights. There's no nothing. You know, Gary, it's like I knew this, but, you know, it still doesn't sink in until right this moment. Almost what people like you did. You know, you're, you're not from there. You're there on business and you can't go any. I can't remember when they opened stuff back up. I mean, how long did you end up being in New York? Well, I I was, well, there's no transportation anywhere. There's no subways. There's no, there's no, not, I mean, in fact, I got to experience New York after 9-11, which was amazing because we went out to the veranda of the bar and you could hear a pin drop. And wow. it's like, when can you hear a pin drop in New York City ever? Yeah. I mean, yeah. no honking, nothing. It was just cool. Everyone went home. And hunker down with their families. No one was on the street. No one was going out to dinners. Yeah. It was just hunker down. And the hotel was the same way. Everyone who's in that hotel that night, we just all were like hunker down together, having drinks, watching the news, just waiting on any information, what was going on. And, you know, then you watch the celebrations in Afghanistan, shooting the guns in here because they were celebrating it, of, of our demise, which, you know, that really pissed me off. I can't but, imagine. You know, so it's like, you know, you're watching all this and then they brought a fire truck back from ground zero that was just smashed to hell and by that night it was covered in candles wow. it's just like you know the new yorker they're so amazing because i mean it wasn't just one candle there's hundreds of candles and you know because a lot of those firemen were missing too yeah and so um, my, my friend Rob, he was like, look, I'm going to sit at the bar. I'm going to call um, car rentals and we'll just get a rental car. I'm like, dude, I said, there's 10 million New Yorkers probably getting rental cars. He's like, well, all right, let's go to Penn Station and get on an Amtrak out of town. And because they had Amtraks that was leaving New York. And so we're like, let's, let's do it. And so we go stand in a three hour wait at Amtrak just to get tickets and then just to get you know, anywhere that could get you somewhere else we exactly we did not yeah. care we just wanted to get out of the city and then we'll Absolutely. figure out how to get a rental car get a hotel you know whatever it takes and so as we're waiting in line that's when they they uh caught Masawi, the you know supposed you know mastermind or whatever that was on an Amtrak I think it was maybe Texas but the, he was caught on Amtrak and he was a part of all that whole 9-11 uh plot yeah, and we're thinking. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe we shouldn't be on mass transportation at all right now. So we get out of line. We go back to the hotel and reconvene. And that's when Rob goes, "Look, I'm going to my original plan. I'm going to just get a phone and keep calling rental car companies." And he's he's very diligent, and he kept calling and calling. And we just sit there. And you guys work we, for Morgan Stanley. I feel like you have a certain personality type. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you he, gotta. He the, he's definitely the right man for the job. And he kept calling, and, and bless his heart, he got through. And we got a car company and they said, well, we'll clean. He goes, no, 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 no. We don't care if it's a smoker. We don't care if it's clean. If you just hold it, please not give it to anyone else. We will come and grab it. 
And he's like, I'll, I'll bear it. He goes, I'll bring it to you. I'm like, wow. Wonderful. So we get this car and then this was two days later. And so we finally get a rental car and we pack our stuff up. We head out and, um, you know, we luckily, uh, got out of New York city and that day it was funny because it's one of the best times you ever see is when you see welcome to Louisville and it was like, Oh, we're, wow. we're finally home. But, um, but yeah, once we got the rental car, uh, got out of there, um, you know, and it's interesting because the manager of the Saray where I stayed, he wrote me a letter saying, thanks for coming. Please come back up. Um, you know, because he knew we were there and it's like just the outpouring of kindness from people. That's I got amazing. home. And, huh? That part's amazing to me. Just yeah, everybody looking out for each other right then, the kindness, the support that, I mean, it's oh, just... it was amazing. And then my home was covered in posters. Oh my God. And it just blew my mind. I'd, I'd come Gary. around the corner. It was like, <sighs> it's amazing. I can't imagine that. Like, I, I mean, nothing to me, a community rallying around you, friends, family, like it's what life's about, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, so I didn't know how quickly, people at home knew, uh, I knew my best friends do cause I'd call my buddies going, Hey, I'm gonna be in New York for two weeks. I'll have cocktails for you guys just joking around and stuff. And, you know, kind of rubbed it in cause I could just go there for free. And so they knew that I was there and coming from Providence, the Padrino will tell you is that it's a very close, close knit community. And so word spread very fast. And, um, so, I mean, it just, it was amazing how many people knew I were there. So my house yeah. was covered in um, stuff and, and then I started getting outpouring of calls and, and it just, the outpouring of love was amazing. Plus, you know, I'm a very patriotic person anyway. And so the thing that blew my mind was, you know, when we got home, you know, every car, even on the way home, cars were covered with little flags, yeah. flag stickers. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it was the most patriotic. So cool. I mean, and even in New York, when we were walking, people would look you in the eyes and say, hi, you know. Which, yeah. you know, New York is, you know, they're just busy. That's not, people aren't running around trying to, to look in now and say, how are you doing? So, you know, it just, we get home, just flags, the national anthems. Uh, it was just outpouring of just Americanism. And it's funny, I, I did a presentation for NASA and, you know, they asked me, so, you know, what, what's the, what's the biggest difference today as opposed to back then? I said, the biggest difference today is that's very sad and disheartening to me being a survivor is that I got to witness the greatness of America. I got to witness a guy that looked like he was a hawk to give me a bear hug to yeah. everyone looking out for each other. Everyone had everyone's back. If someone would attack that hotel, they would have attacked all of us, so on and so forth. It was just everyone was so about being each other's friends. Uh, no one pulled, uh, hey, are you a Republican or a Democrat? No one cared if you're no, we were all united. No one, yeah, yes. we're just Americans. That's and we are today, except we're divided on the dumbest things. But the thing that I, I say to people is, you know, back then you could count on one hand a month after 9-11, you could count on one hand of a car or house that didn't have a flag on it, whether the sticker so or true. one of those flags that was on the windows. And today you can count on one hand of a car with a flag that has a flag because they're nowhere to be found. In fact, today, some people, some far left wingness actually say that the flag represents colonialism and oh, oppression. Geez, and I'm going, yeah. oppression, people die to come to our country every day because of the freedoms we have. And it's like, we should take our hat off every time there's a national anthem and put it over our heart because absolutely, I could not agree more. Blessed. I mean, I've been all over the world and I just, I've just, I've yet to go to a country where I'm going, huh, 
I could live here. I could live it everywhere, but no one. Kind of makes you appreciate what we really have. And I think that's lost on people a lot of times for sure. It is. And I think if people went overseas and realized how small, I mean, we have 24 hour everything. My, I mean, you go overseas, there's no 24 hour food marts and make, you know, <laughs> restaurants open 24 yeah. hours so we can get our a Big Mac in the middle of the night. I mean, it just doesn't, how they don't have apothecaries open 24 hours. Here we have everything and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful nation, but today's world, we are so fixed on trying to find the negatives in our country and what divides us as opposed to focusing on what unites us and how great the country is. And that's the biggest difference I see today as opposed to that's a, me a message though, though. I think that's a really powerful, important one. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. But Here, people get lost because then they're going to go, well, he has some political agenda. What agenda? Does, everything has to be so political or some kind of a right or left, or it's just, it, there were transsexuals and homosexuals back in 2001. We all got along. I mean, it's like there was, Black and white people in 2001. I mean, but now everything is divided on such a divide. Yes. On pigmentation of a skin color. You would think that we'd be a lot smarter than that in 2023, but apparently not. But it's interesting. In 2001, no one, I can assure you, was talking about the crazy shit we talked about today in 2001. What they talked about was how we as Americans, all Americans, all of us, not some group, all of us, how we're going to fight back how we're going to stay safe, how we're going to fight against tyranny and, and, and terrorism. That's all we care about. And, and, and naturally jobs and our families and religion. But yeah. that was it. Just that's the American way, right? And so, you know, we've kind of got off of off kilter. Well, you know what I actually was thinking about when you were saying this, when I will never, and I'm, again, not a, this is not a political show by any means, but watching President Bush be in the rubble, I, oh, I can't remember. Give me goosebumps. I, I mean, there was not... A soul and so everybody was behind him. Every, like the whole nation united. I mean, that was just such a powerful moment. When you he know? said, I hear you, because the firemen were screaming at him. He goes, I hear you. He goes, but the people knocked down these buildings are going to hear from all of us. Yes. Oh, I have goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> Holy moly. Hey, um, Gary, are you still close with Jeff and Rob? Like, what does that friendship look like experiencing such a tragedy together? I can't imagine. Well, we were close anyway because we were just like the three amigos. Um, you know, we were like the training class at J.C. Bradford. Then we became like the training class of at Morgan Stanley. So where you saw one, you'd see the three of us. And <laughs> I love that. And so, you know, Rob, him and I, we actually started banking together. So we went from banking. Then I begged him to come over to J.C. Bradford. Then I lured him over to Morgan. I mean, we just kind of started our careers together. He has three sons. I have three daughters. And just wonderful. And then on the Jeff and I, we still talk with Rob, you know, he, uh, you know, he internalized it. Like I got home, I'd have vicious nightmares. I'd wake up and sweat, think I'm still running out staircases. And so I was wise enough to say, you know, maybe I should go talk to a counselor. I'm not embarrassed about that because it, it, it was wonderful for me because to go unload. In fact, it was interesting. The, the counselor I went to talk to, um, you know, I was crying and so I looked up to see what she was going to maybe give me some kind of a profound statement. And she was crying. <laughs> like, I love that. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you're supposed to help me. And oh. she's like, she's crying. She's like, oh my gosh, Gary. She goes, this is therapeutic for me. I said, how so? She said, well, I'm getting ready to go be a grief counselor for the fire department in New York. So I'm going there. Oh, she, really? goes, she goes, oh my gosh. And I said, well, they're going to tell you a stories that are make my hell comparison from what they're seeing. And so it's like, you know, so Rob, on the 10-year anniversary of 9-11, the, 
the, the mayor and the governor of Kentucky invited us down to this 9-11 event. Um, and they were, they have a piece of the South tower and they have this plaque that was, it's that said survivors, Gary, Greg, Jeff Hart, Rob Williams on, on this big plaque. Well, I thought wow. the plaque was going to be like some kind of a wood plaque or something. It was actually like iron when they handed it to me, I almost dropped it because it weighed so much, but on the 10 year anniversary leading up to it, you know, Rob was filling me in on the particulars of this thing. And, they wanted to ride with the fire department and we kind of are embarrassed because we don't want to, we didn't go out for news stations or newspapers. If one spoke, we'd all three speak, not one. So we always yeah. did it together and we didn't want to, we didn't really want to go in and be a part of it, but they asked us to. So we didn't want to say no, because then that looked kind of ugly too. So I get this. Yeah. You know, and so, you, you don't know, want to it, feel it, like heroic, but you also don't want to be just, yeah, we just, yeah. we were like millions of other Americans that just ran out of a building, you know, thousands of people did. So we just, you know, but then how do you say no? Like even on the one year anniversary, the Louisville orchestra had a candlelight vigil on the uh, Belvedere, which is a big thing in downtown Louisville. And they, you know, they asked us to come and which we did and Humana, they had Humana because I guess Humana was there, which is one of our big corporations. And, and they wrote a book about their experience being on a bus, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 blocks away. And so <laughs> we were backstage at that event and they were talking about their book and, and one of the people go, hey, would you like a book? And I said, no, I'm fine, but thanks. And they're like, what are you here for? I said, well, I was in 11 as well. And they said, oh, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, where were you? And they said, well, we're in a bus. And we saw it all happen. I said, oh, okay. And they said, well, where were you? I said, well, I was actually running out of the building. So, but I didn't write a book, you know, and, and uh, that was on the one year. But on the 10 year, um, we said, okay, fine. We, you know, we'll, we'll go along with it. But Rob, um, he took his own life, uh, like, I guess three or four days before the 10 year anniversary. And oh so, my gosh. Yeah. There's still victims from 9-11 from people who cleaned up the, uh, the, the, the debris to people who have PTSD. Um, people don't realize it still affects people even to this day that were there. And, you know, on the 10 year anniversary, um, days before, you know, he took his own life. And so, oh, Gary, I'm just, so sorry. Uh, Holy yeah. God. But, you know, out of, out of all that, you know, it's like, you know, it's one of those things where you don't like talking about it, but I like Providence high school. I talked to the history class, the history professor actually is one of my best friends. And so he said, would you come talk to my history class? And I did it on their one year anniversary and I did it the next year cause it's therapeutic. And then I did it for 20 straight years until I got all three of my kids through Providence. And then my last Susie who's there now, um, when it was when it was her turn to talk to her history class her junior year, and it happened to be right around the twenty year anniversary, and I was like, okay, I brought my shoes in, I brought my photo ID in, and just oh my gosh. Said, I said tape it going forward because I'm this is it, I'm because I dread it every year. I knew that day was coming where I had to yeah. go. And, and then your daughter's worth. being in the classroom too has to add another element, like oh. what you know. Ooh, I'm getting all checked up. Rip your heart out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Listen, I know I feel like I've already kept you so long, but I, I do wonder, I thought I was going to ask you what you kind of covered on your own about your journey to healing, about therapy, about support groups, about how, I just kind of wonder how you're doing today. I mean, because I do think that, of course, this will impact you the rest of your life, everyone there. Um, so I wonder how, yeah, how you're putting one foot in front of the other, like what your tips and tricks there were. 
Well, look, I'm blessed. I got three beautiful daughters. I got a wonderful wife. Um, I can't ask for much more. I'm just glad to be here. But it's one of those things where, you know, on 9-11, I remember running down the staircase just thinking about my daughter. I, was, I mean, I've always wanted to be a dad. Finally got to be a dad. And I'm thinking, she's three months old. I got to get home. So did I get to you know, have two more? And so um, that's therapeutic in itself, just have more kids, just be surrounded with love. Yeah. I've got the best friends in the world. Uh, Padrina knows all of them. And it's I like, love that. You know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, her sister, hell, I'm, I talked to her sister, and it's like, it, it's just a blessing. But, like, for me, I need to go to see counseling, and I thank God every day that he allows me to, be here on the planet because I could have easily been taken. If that plane would have veered just a little farther south, yeah, you know, I would have, I would have perished. And or if I stayed in the building to do anything chivalrous, um, I would have perished, like Rick Briscola did with the bullhorn. Um, he went four I, to four. Right, so many little minor changes in that day, and yeah, different outcome. I'm sure that those things would eat you up for a while. Yeah, you know? I mean, Rob, that's his problem. He always said, "Gosh, you know why." Out of all that carnage, why did we survive? And I always said, you know, I don't know the answer to why, but I know I'm, I, I know who I need to thank, and that's God. And I'm just so happy to be every. Pedrina, tell you, I'm probably one of the most opt, eternal optimists around. I mean, I'm, I don't really have bad days, and I'm just Gary, I person. feel like we're very similar. I, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot to bitch about. You know, it's like I, I got the best. I'm just job trying to find out yeah, positive when something super shitty happens. You know, I feel like yeah. it's a learning moment. There's something that's going to come from it even if you can't see it at the time. Right. And it's, you know, and it, 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 it's just, but you know what? It's like, I always tell people, you know, prior to 9-11 for me, at least I can't speak for everyone else, but you know, and this is not to be political, but I, anytime I see a fire person, man, woman, I always thank them. If they're, if they're in line behind me, I will always buy them lunch. If I see them at a bar, I'll buy them a drink. Oh, Gary, if I, I see a police that. officer, I always go on my way. Yes. Do I like speeding tickets? No. But whose fault that is it when I get speeding tickets? Mine. <laughs> 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 I avoid yeah. them? Yes. But I always thank police officers because guess what? Without them, there's anarchy and chaos. So, you know, this whole defund the police thing, it's just, it's cuckoo land. So I always say to people, I know it may not be politically correct in today's environment, but we should still thank police officers and firemen, first responders, Absolutely. because they ran into buildings while my ass is running out. And the yes. same with the military. Yes, so, yes. Huge military person. I love the military. I love our first responders, all of them. And to this day, I, anytime I see them, I always go my way. Even if it's corny, I say, thank you for your service. And it just makes me feel good to tell them, tell them that my Sam. Gary, it's not corny at all. We're raising our kids up the same way. You know, I mean, it's so important. So important. It is. Yeah. Oh, I cannot thank you enough for doing this with me today. This, I, I mean, I would have kept you on for another two hours if I could. <laughs> I just, what a message, what a story. And I, and I know it's hard to talk about, but I think there's things you said today that are just really going to resonate with people. And I, I, I don't know. I cannot thank you enough. I really appreciate you. Well, sure. Well, and I, 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 like I said, I love Padrina. She's a sweetheart. I mean, one of the most genuine people. She, she is. Uh, she loves with all of her heart. So when when you said Padrina, I thought, well, she wouldn't scare <laughs> me wrong. So I'd be happy to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in her circle now. Gary, <laughs> thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, please give me some feedback. Um, I, I send it my way. I'll send it on to Gary because, man, what a story. Um, again, I, I just want to keep saying thank you and thank you over again. <laughs> well, you're welcome. And my oh. pleasure.
It was this was an honor, Gary. Thank you. All right, well, y'all. Have a good one. Oh. Uh, with Pedrina, let me know. We'll oh my gosh, I would love that. We'll hit you up. <laughs> That'd be great. All right, thanks for staying tuned, y'all. Bye. Have a good day. Bye bye. Bye-bye.